And so today, this morning, it's the open book part four. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to Revelation. And uh, everybody, um, Yaku did an awesome job last week. How many of you know the mysteries of the mysterious book are opening? The open book. So we're continuing part four. And uh, I want to just touch on a few things with you. But first, let's do a review. In Revelation chapter five, John is writing spiritual language, vision language. It's rich with meaning. How many of you have heard that saying, a picture paints a thousand words? It actually says more than a thousand words. So basically, this is what we're seeing. In the book of Revelation chapter 5, because for sake of time, um, let's just talk our way through it. We've read it a few times, and hopefully you are reading and reading your Bibles, and particularly the chapters that we are dealing with. And um, it's too much for us to deal with in one meeting. It, you can't do justice on it. So I'm on the fourth part, and uh, Yaku preached, so that's like five messages on the book of Revelations. But John sees, in the spiritual realm, he sees in vision, he sees the one sitting on the throne. Now that's God. And in his right hand is a scroll, a book. Yes. And in his hand, that book is written within and without, yes. on the inside and the outside. Yes. I've explained that you need to get the other messages. Sealed with seven seals. No one was found in all of the realms, in heaven, on earth, or under the earth. No man was found worthy to take the book and to open it and to open the sealed, mysterious, closed book. And then John begins to weep, and one of the elders says, don't weep. And he said, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed. In other words, he's overcome Therefore, he's qualified to go and take the book out of the hand of him who's sitting on the throne to open the scrolls. But when he says, then he looked at that scene again, but now he sees one like a lamb in the center of the throne. So in other words, the lion of the tribe of Judah who prevailed, he prevailed by becoming the lamb. In other words, when he was crucified on the cross, that was what qualified him, and he prevailed over death. And so as the unique and first man, the Son of God, he was qualified to take the book out of the hand of God and to open it, and he progressively opened it, seal after seal, there was an opening of the book. And so chapter 6 and chapter 7 and chapter 8, and from that there on, it begins to speak about the opening of the book. The background to all of this was this. So let me just quickly talk about this. Isaiah 63, I'm not sure of the verse. I'll have to look at my notes, but you can read. It says, God looked and he was appalled at the wickedness on earth. There was no one to work salvation for him. So he said, so I've done it by my own right arm, my own right hand. Now you've got to add all the scriptures. I've got 58, 60 scriptures just on the right hand of God. Talking about the fact, you know, you've laid your right hand on the man of thy right hand. Psalm 89, I think it is. But Jesus sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So you got all those scriptures. So here it is. So vision language. So the right hand of God is Jesus. He said, because my own right arm worked salvation. Well, who came and worked salvation for God? It was Jesus. So the right side is the favored side. He's the favored son. It's the preeminent side. 
It's the authoritative side. It's the side of his strength and the side of his power. That's all Jesus. Is that okay? Now, we've been made alive with Christ. We've been raised up. and We've been seated at the right hand of the majesty. So we've, in Christ, we're in the same place as Christ. <laughs> okay, the right hand of God. But now, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So in other words, what John is seeing, he's seeing the right hand of God equals Jesus. Because that's what he's seeing. And basically, he sees the scroll, this book. Well, John says it. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the book, the scroll, equals Jesus. Okay, just follow me, all right? It's Jesus, but it was sealed with seven seals. In other words, what John was seeing was the mystery of Christ that was still hidden. Paul says, the dispensation of God by his grace, he has given me the ability to open and veil this mystery to you. He says, and the mystery of God is this, Christ hidden for ages and generations, but now being made known to you. And that truth is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so Jesus was the mystery hidden for ages and generations. So why was it hidden? It was hidden for a reason. Remember we saw last week, Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to God, the revealed things belong to us and our children. And so God called the nation of Israel, established the nation of Israel, started to reveal himself to them. But over and over again, they sinned, they went to false God, they sacrificed the devils, they rejected God. It wasn't that they could not see, it's that they would not see. And eventually God, through Moses, Moses stood up and prophesied in Deuteronomy 32. He sang a prophecy to them, and it was referred to as the Song of Moses. And he goes through and he says, God chose you. You were the apple of his eye. He was making up his treasured possession. He taught you to fly on wings as an eagle. But you would not. You rejected him. You rejected him. You rejected him. You rejected him. So Moses said, I can see what your end is. You will go into exile. And then he says this in Deuteronomy 32 verse 34. He says, now God has taken the revelation that he's been given you and he sealed it. Why? Because they did not want to see. So he put it in mysteries. And all the way through Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, in the past, in many and various ways, God spoke to your forefathers through the prophets, slots of revelation, time gaps, slots of revelation. Still they could not see the truth and the reality of Jesus. He set up a whole tabernacle, a whole religious worship system, sacrifice of animals. All of them spoke about Jesus. It, all of it, it was Jesus, 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 but it was hidden from the eyes. To this day, it's hidden. When Jesus comes speaking in parables, his disciples says, why are you speaking in parables? He said, so them, so that seeing they will not see, hearing they will not hear. Was he being cruel? No, he was confirming them in their choice. Now, let me just pause here. Church, the most dangerous place to be is if you continue to resist and reject the truth of God, and your conscience becomes seared. God is such a gentleman. If you insist on following a course, he will do everything in his power to get you to avert, to change direction. 
But if you insist, he's such a gentleman, he respects the free will that he's given you, he will let you go in that direction and wait for you to turn. You don't want to be given over to your bad choices. Truth? And so that's why it says, do not harden your hearts like in the rebellion. That period of wondering for God, he called it the rebellion. He said, listen, while it is still cool today, I want you to enter my rest. So we need to listen. Woo! Say, agwer. Yeah, agleister. I've got ears that hear. Amen? And so God gave them over. And so they couldn't see. God was still working. God still was trying to redeem them. And the whole plan of God was to bring the seed, Jesus. And so through all generations, through peoples, he was choosing them, selecting them, and uh, you know, arranging marriages so that the seed of Christ could come, seed of Christ could come, seed of Christ could come. And so it was to bring Jesus. And they, they couldn't see, couldn't see, couldn't see. So they go into exile. Now here's a man taken into captivity at 16 years of age. Daniel and his friends. They castrate him to make him a eunuch. They train him in all the ways of the Assyrians in Babylon. And his name is Daniel. Coincidentally, Jeremiah is also around in Assyria as well. And Jeremiah prophesied and said, the captivity of the people of Israel will be 70 years. Daniel reads it and he starts to pray. And then suddenly this angel comes to him and starts giving him visions. There's going to be empires rising and falling. First there's going to be Assyria, then the Medo-Persian Empire, then the Grecian Empire, then the Roman Empire, that monster of teeth. And he sees them as first as a statue, then as beasts, vicious monster animals. Bad guys. Vicious. You know. Now I want you to understand, they're not around now. It's not, around, it's not now. You've got people preaching rubbish, I'm telling you. Just go delete, pass, forward, okay? You know, it's going to be America. It's going to be the United Nations of Europe, and it's going to be Russia. No, it's all happened. It's all happened. It's all happened. Those nations rose and fall. Same spirit is working, but those prophecies do not refer to now. Please, please. The seals. I mean, I heard this, that singer on TV, and he's going, Yo, the fifth seal has been opened now. Now is riding the Donkor Pert. No, that was 2,000 years ago. And you know what the worst is? People don't throw money at me for preaching what I'm preaching. People throw money at them. They get money. They print books and it's a lie. And they don't repent. It's amazing how the lie, the sensuality of the lie, just attracts people. It's like the more evil, the more wicked, the more, ooh, it is, you know, die, oh, they break the right. It's like we want to suffer. You know, but anyway, anyway, let's just move on. Let's just move on. It's enough of bashing. So there were nations that rose and fall up to the Roman Empire. So Daniel's praying, and suddenly Gabriel comes to him, and he shows him these monsters coming out of the sea. The sea, the sea. He sees them coming out of the sea. So these monsters, these beasts that were going to attack and cause havoc were coming out of nations other than Israel. In one of the chapters, I'll get it now, 17, I think it is, when he's writing, he sees beasts coming out of the sea. Then he sees a fourth beast, more terrible than the first, and it's coming up out of the earth. In the book of Revelations, when he talks about the beast coming out of the sea, it's coming from one of the other nations. When it comes from the earth, it's from Israel. Israel is regarded as the earth. 
It's going to change your understanding. We're going to read some scriptures now. Islands equals ethnic groups. Far away people. So you'll find sea, earth, you know, islands mentioned all over various places. Isaiah, many places. It's referring to other people groups further away. So he sees these beasts coming. He prays, and God says to him, I want you to understand this is the beginning of the end. Beginning of the end. They all knew the prophecies. It's the beginning of the end. These nations are going to arise, and it's going to be a time period of 70 times 7, which is 490 years, from the issue of the decree of Darius the Mede to send the people back to rebuild. You can count 490 years. And then it's going to take you up to the time of the Messiah. And the Messiah is going to come, and then certain things are going to happen when the Messiah comes. Okay, there's too much to go into. But in the days of those kings, according to the statue vision, will the kingdom of God be set up. And it will bring down the spirit of those nations. And the kingdom of God will be set up. That's 9 and 12. Daniel 7. So in Daniel chapter 7... Daniel has a dream, and in the dream, he sees a throne is set up. The throne is set up, and then books are opened. Everybody say the books are open. This is going to be so good. The books are open. I did finish talking about the right hand. eh? So books are open, and judgment is set. So God puts up a throne, sits, and if you read the context... The context is those four beasts, those four nations, those four empires that are coming, those four terrible animals. So God sets up his throne, and he says, right, it is now time for judgment to begin on these beasts, because they speak against me. They're speaking vile, unholy, abominable things, the little horns, the kings of those nations. And God says, time for judgment has come. So listen, Woo. the devil can do whatever he wants to do. There's a God. And so he sets up his throne. Books are open. Basically, what he's doing is going through the records now. Babylon, you know, Syria, yes. Nebuchadnezzar, yes. He's going through, you did this, yes. Then he's going, <clears throat> that's a page for the Medo-Persians. And then he goes through, and then he has a page for Alexander the Great and the Grecian Empire. Yeah, this is what you did to my people. Uh, you overstepped your boundaries. And then he goes on, yes, the Roman. He has the monster with the iron teeth, the abomination. It's time for judgment. Going to pronounce sentence. And so the pronouncement, and the angel Gabriel explains it to Daniel. So the pronouncement is God says, I have judged you. I've taken away your authority and power. I'm terminating your dominion. You no longer have right and authority. And basically, the, it says the beast, the body of the beast was terminated, was destroyed. Daniel chapter 7. And he says, now I take all dominion. I take all power. I take all authority. And I'm giving it over to the saints. You were handed over for a time, Israel. But we can apply it to our lives. But now it's been taken away. Those beasts tried to change the set times and laws because they were opposing the Christ in the fullness of time. They were trying to change the fullness of times. 
they were messing with God's program. They couldn't do it. And so he takes it away and he says, right, to my people now, because just when he did that, one like the Son of Man approached, our representative head, our Savior, the right hand of God, he who is the Word of God, came. And so with him, that company that will be with him, he said, here is the kingdom, here is the power, here is the honor, here's the dominion, here's the authority. I'm giving you a kingdom. And now this kingdom shall never end. Come on, let deep state do what they want. There's a kingdom that's taking over. Is that all right? They can have their program, but there's a program of God. Amen? They can try and cancel culture. They can try Antifa. They can try whatever they want to do. But there is a move of God where people are redefining and re-identifying with the uniqueness of their culture, the uniqueness of their genders. The devil is trying to confuse gender. Trying to say there's 68 genders, 84 genders. No, there's male, there's female. God created them. Two genders. And there is the uniqueness of cultures. For me, it's exciting to see the Koza dots. It's exciting for me to see the Zulu patterns on their dress and their wear. Because every ethnic group is re-identifying with who God created them to be. The uniqueness of man and woman. The enemy is trying to change the set. I am prophesying. Change the set times and laws and seasons. And he's trying to do that. But God is saying, I'm bringing you back to original intent. And there will be unity with diversity. Amen. We will manifest the glory of God. Come on. We need to celebrate it. We need to enjoy it. We need to make the most of it. Is that okay? If there's anything wrong in our cultures, we need to change it. But we don't chuck out our culture. Let's celebrate it. God doesn't want women to be men and men to be women. What's men to be men? Women to be women. We enjoy our gender. Enjoy our sexuality. Be whole in that. Is that okay? And so, I don't know how I got there, but it was good. I enjoyed the journey. And so he's bringing all peoples back. And so God is working through these nations. He's talking to Daniel, and he's saying, look, this is what's going to happen. There's going to be a judgment. It's going to be given over to the kingdom. So Jesus comes. He's the king of the kingdom. And he says, to the small band of disciples, 12 of them, even though one was going to betray him, they all actually ended up betraying him and running away. But the 11 came back, and he said, it's between your father's good pleasure to confer on you a kingdom. Amen. This motley group of individuals, Simon the Zealot, always walking around with a knife between his teeth. He was like EFF or BLF or one of those, you know. And then on the other side was Matthew, the tax collector. Yeah, he was the farrier. He was collecting money for the Romans. And Simon the Zealot just kept looking at him and was like, when Jesus is not looking, I'm going to cut your throat. <laughs> These are the kind of people that Jesus brings together. And they become the life-changing force that brought the kingdom of God into the world. Come on, so what can we do? Come on, what can you do? Amen. And so Daniel sees these things. And, but when it was set, Daniel chapter 7 verse 10, King James translation, when he sees it, the thing that I wanted to bring out was God opens the books starts to go through the books. It's time to bring an account. It's time to bring accountability. Listen, those elements within the ANC that are stealing the money, 
it should be registered as a crime against humanity. Billions. Billions. God has got it. It's written. So listen, church. We do not, you know, get into, in your anger, sin not, the Bible says. So we can't get counterproductive in the whole process. So we need to pray. And one of the reasons why it's all coming out, remember I told you, I said to you months and months ago, it's going to start coming out in a flood. The light is shining. More is going to come out. We need to walk righteously because the light is shining. Okay? So Paul says, avoid the fruitless evil deeds of darkness. It's coming. What you will see. The EFF is, you know, we work on principle, principle. Yeah, but they stole money from the VBS bank. It's going to come out. They're just as wicked. So here it goes. It's not a political statement, okay? And so he goes through, goes through the books and he says, keep, I've kept a record, kept a record. All right, you ready? Yes. Woo, it's going to be good the next half an hour. It's going to be really good. So Daniel chapter 7, verse 10, fiery stream issued and came forth before him. Thousands, thousands ministered unto him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were opened. This was the beginning of the end of Israel and their religious system that had become self-righteous justification. So Paul says in Hebrews, he says he came to establish, to set aside the first and establish the second. And so he came. So the books were the record of the deeds. And the judgment was God saying, I have pronounced a sentence. And the sentence is the end of those empires, the end of their powers, and I'm giving it to another, and that is to the saints. Is that okay? Now I want you to jump with me and go with me to Revelation chapter 20, verse 12. Everybody following me? I'm going to answer questions for you today. It's going to make so much sense. The first time after 40 years just about in the ministry, first time I saw these things. And I'm sharing it with you, giving you a shortcut. Revelation 20, verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And what was opened? The books. Everybody say the books. So the books were opened. And I don't know how I'm going to do this. But anyway, let's just see. The books were opened, and another book was opened. So there's books and a book. Distinctive, separate, specific, a book. And it says, and a book was opened, which is the book of life. So I'm going to just chuck it in here for time's sake. In another reference, which we'll just see now. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. So there's the books and a book, which is the Lamb's Book of Life. And it says, which is the Book of Life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books. In the books. So the dead were judged, not the alive ones. They were judged according to their works, what they did. Okay, that's an important part. So there were books in the book of life. Now, I'm going to just backtrack from there, and then I'm going to rebuild forward. Okay, so you've got that there as a reminder. That's where we are. Now I'm going to backtrack. So here's Job, the oldest book in the Bible. Job predates everybody else. Don't know how his book was written, how it was preserved, but it was. And the mentality those days was, 
If there's suffering, it's from God. If you're sick, it's from God. If there's evil, it's from God. And that's why even in Samuel it says an evil spirit from God came. Because that was the understanding, because God's so big and he's in control. If it happens, you know, God had to either have authorized it or allowed it. But that's Old Testament understanding. Is that okay? There's fuller revelation since then. And so here's Job. He felt, because his wife said, and his four counselors basically were saying, God is against you, but, (laughs) you know, God's going to get you. You were wicked and evil. There must have been some secret sin in your life. And he's going to kill you. That's the good news. Even his wife says, well, now you might as well just finish it. Curse God and die. And he said, though he slay me, yet will I believe. My Redeemer lives. But at one time, in Job 31 verse 35, he's sitting on his ash heap. He's full of boils. And uh, he feels like God is against him. And this is what he says. Oh, that one would hear me. He says, behold, my desire is that the Almighty would answer me. And that mine adversary, God, in his mind, had written a book. If only God had just kept a record of my whole life. If only he'd... Poor old Job didn't realize God did have a book. God did have a record. God did know his whole life. This was so prophetic. It's amazing that even Moses in Exodus 32 and in verse 32 to 33, when God said, Moses, step aside. I've had enough with these stiff-necked, rebellious people. Stand, and he's going, no, God, don't do it, don't do it. You know, standing in front of the wrath of God, and he's saying, don't do it, don't kill him, don't kill him. What will people say about you that you can't deliver your people? And he says, yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, but if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. God, just don't kill him. If you're going to kill, just take my name out, rather, of your book of life. Moses knew that there was a book, and in that book was the name Moses. And he was saying, God, if you're going to judge them and kill them, take me out of the book. So your name can be in the book, your name can be taken out of the book. Job's name was there. So David says this in Psalm 69, 28, Let them be blotted out of the book of the living and be not be written with the righteous. This is also the book of the living, not the dead. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. When I was 13, 14, I used to love that. And when the pastor gave the altar call and people would come forward and accept Jesus, his wife would on the orgel, you know, ching, 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 there's a new name. And we would be crying because people, it's true. It's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. Your name is in that book. Your name is in that book. Your name, the day you went, Jesus, I believe. He got his pen out. This is a job for Jesus, not stand aside, angel, give me that pen. (laughs) Let me write, Marius. Let me write, let me write, you know, let me write, she, let me write, Denver. Let me write early and impressed me. Write that name. This is what I died for, personally. His name 
In Malachi chapter 3 and verse 16, this is what Malachi says. He sees, he's a prophet, he sees. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. Those that loved God, they talked, kind of like what you do. And you know, Jesus did this and gone. And did you see this in the word? And it's like this. And somebody is listening. The heavenly eavesdropper who listens to every conversation, every thought, every intention of our heart. He's listening. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. It's a book of remembrance as well. In other words, he will never forget you. He knows your name. It'll never happen. Then you go, Jesus, Yera. And he goes, um, is your name Luray? Luray Downford? Is that you? No, no, no. He knows you. It's the book of remember. I remember you. Is that all right? You're not insignificant. You're not hidden from God. When you go to him, he goes, ah, oh, welcome. And so book of remembrance. Jesus said this when the disciples came back and said, whoa, 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 whoa. Demons came out in your name. And Jesus jumps and and he gives in a shout of victory and a gallios. He spins before God and he says, notwithstanding, don't rejoice that demons or spirits are subject to you, but that your name is written down in heaven. So this book is in heaven. Aha. Is that good? Is everybody following me? It's going to get better. It's going to get better. And I'm nearly to the next point. And so I'm building forward. Is that okay? So now here it comes. Here it comes. So your name is written in a book. Just quick, just quick. How many of you have accepted Jesus as your Savior? Quick, quick. Okay. So your name was canceled there, and then it was put into there. Is that okay? So your name was put into there. So it was taken out of the books. Every rotten, wicked thing you did, out, out, out. Is that right? He canceled it. The written code that stood against you. Every transgression blotted out every transgression. Every sin and unrighteousness. He took it out. Listen, he had a list of every one of your unrighteous, wicked deeds. Sins of omission and sins of commission. Everything we didn't do that we should have done. Everything we did that we shouldn't have done. And he took it out, took it out, washed it in the blood, erased it, blotted it out. Never to be put back in. Then he just goes over to the book of the living. Book of remembrance. The Lamb's book of life. And he goes, there it is. John Wasserman. Yes. It's not written with invisible ink. It's written in his blood. Nothing can erase it from there. Nothing can take me out of his hand. So Revelation 7 verse 3. So now John looks up. In verse 1, John is seeing in a vision. Now this is Revelation 5, the hand of God. Revelation 6, the seals are starting to open. So judgment is coming on Israel. Is that okay? On Israel as a people. On Jerusalem as a city. And on the temple as a place of worship. That's the rest of Revelation. And then he says, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth. Of the, which is, four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth. Understand the way that they understood it. So four angels, which they often saw as agents of judgment holding back the winds on the four corners of the earth, saying, don't let the winds of judgment blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nations, nor on any tree. So who are the trees? The people of God. 
Psalm 1, many others, Jeremiah 17, verse 2. And he says, the wind of judgment is not to blow. Come on, this is another scripture with my no judgment teaching. Come on, this is awesome. And I saw another angel ascending from the east having the seal, the seal of the living God, the seal. Now, what seal is this? We've just read in Revelation 5, we've been talking about it four weeks in a row. The book was sealed. It was sealed in a mystery. And now it's being unsealed. And it's the beginning of the unveiling of Christ, the mystery of Christ. So he's ending that religious system, bringing in Christianity, belief and faith in Christ with the sacrifice of himself. He's bringing it in. And so there's going to be a judgment on the land. The wind is going to blow. The four winds is going to blow because of what they've been doing, united with the, the Romans to crucify Jesus, etc. And he says, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, to release the judgment. And he says to the angel, so this angel, he's got the seal of the living God, and he's going, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't hurt. Okay? And then, let's go to verse 3. Saying, hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God. Where? In their foreheads. Everybody say, foreheads. Now, if we go through it, and have a look, it will be foreheads and right hand. Okay. Are you understanding? Okay, I'm trying to tell it in a story without, you know. Okay, so the angel says, so remember this is all vision. It's picture language. It's seeing in the spirit, you know, like prophetic or like a dream. What do I understand about this? Well, here it is. There's judgment coming to Israel, and angels are the messengers and the ones that are assisting in it. In other words, it was the coming judgment of Rome upon them because they were being used as an instrument. And God says, da, 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 da. First, first, before the judgment, I first need to seal those who are mine. So the angel comes with a seal. And then let's just see what verse 4 says on their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and they were sealed 144,000 of all the tribes. Now that's not the Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay? It's not the Jehovah's Witnesses. 144,000 is a representative number, meaning the whole church, old and new. And so God says, let me first seal, let me mark those who are mine. All right, I'm going to seal my people. So should I just put saints? Seal the saints, then we know. So seal the saints. So the first we looked at the books, a book, and now he says you need to seal the saints. But now, how did he seal the saints? How did he seal the saints? How did you? Come on, we just read it. How did you seal? Class, teacher speaking. How? What did he do? He put, what did he put on their forehead? The seal of God on their foreheads and hands. And he puts a seal on them. And that is in Revelation chapter 7. Now I'm just going to back up. If we can find multiple scriptures, begins to answer and tell us. And there are scriptures in the Old Testament. But I'm going to go to one. The whole chapter of Ezekiel chapter 9. Ezekiel was also a prophet of the exile. In fact, he was in Babylon. He was in Babylon. So he was also one of those who were prophesying the exile and this is judgment of God. Okay? And so Ezekiel has a vision and he sees 
God saying to a man who's got a writer's pen and inkhorn, the King James says. He says, you need to go into the city because there's such wickedness and such abomination. He says, the sin of the city has reached maximum. Yeah. It's full up. It's to the full. I cannot avert, divert judgment any longer. So he says, you need to go through the entire city, but you must start in the Holy of Holies. So judgment always begins in the house of God. And he says, start in the Holy of Holies, then go to the outer courts, then go out to the temple, then go out into the city. Everyone, I want you to take that writer's pen and write on the forehead and on the right hands, I think it says that there. All of those, put a mark on them. Put a mark on them. The word mark in the King James is the last word of the Hebrew alphabet, which is tav. And it's in the shape of a cross. Put the sign of the cross on all my people who are grieved and mourning because of the wickedness. Mark them. Not the others. Mark them. It's kind of why the Catholics would, when they came to anoint, they'd anoint you on the forehead with a cross. You got the tav. And there were six executioners. And he says, all those who are not marked, execute. In other words, judgment. Because they didn't have the mark. So because you're clever, this is ACF, the mark on the forehead and the hand is the seal. You're going to get it more now. So listen to what he says. Revelation chapter 14, verse 1. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads. So now we know the father's name. The father's name for you is son. A father's name for you is son. A father's name for you is son. The father's name for his only or his begotten children is sons. Many sons and daughters coming to glory. Father's name for you is son. So he says, go and write on them the name son. And that name son seals them. Come on, that's a good place. Revelations 3.12. This is the angel or Jesus dictating to John and saying, write to this church, write to this church, write to this church. And in verse 12, he says, to him that overcometh, while I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. In other words, you'll be permanently in the temple. I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. So the sons are the new city, the new Jerusalem, on the new mount, Mount Zion, and he says, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name, Jesus said. What's Jesus' new name? The name given higher than the name of any angel. What is that? Hebrews chapter 1. He said, today I've begotten you. Today you are my son. Come on, church. So when you got born again, he went, ah, I need to seal you. Let me write on this, son, on your forehead, son on your right hand. Is that okay? So you were sealed. Then he goes, okay, before I forget, let me write him into my book, 
Louis, Lisa. Amen? And he writes them into the book. Johan. Is that good? What are the results? What is this all? So we got this information, whatever. Revelations 3, 5 says, He that overcometh the same shall be clothed with white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Woo! You will never be blotted out. You can never lose your salvation. Is that okay? It's permanently, indelibly written into the Lamb's book of life, his book of remembrance, the book of the living, the book of the righteous. You are written and you're given this white raiment, and Jesus is confessing your name before the Father and saying, look, Father, another son like me, another son, another son. There's a new name written down in glory. Oh, Jesus, they're all the angels excited, and he's going, another son, another son coming to glory. It's God's purpose. It's God's plan. And so God is working. So if ever you feel sorry for the Jews, God gave them plenty of opportunity. But now they will be made envious when they see the transfer of the glory to the Gentile believers. And so that's the results. Revelations 20 verse 4. And I saw thrones, very much like Daniel. And they that sat upon them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. Those are all the apostles and the prophets. And for the word of God. And which had not worshipped the beast. Neither his image. Neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. We'll get to the thousand year reign of Christ. And so in other words. There's a company of people. Over here. Who are marked on their foreheads and hands with a name, son. They are written into a book of remembrance of the righteous, of life, of the living, called the Lamb's Book of Life. They are then sealed by that name. This company of people is called the body of Christ. There's another group of people who worship the image of the beast. They worship the beast. In other words, they worship this earthly system energized by the devil. They are also marked on their forehead and their hands. And their number is 666. Natural man without the spirit. A system without the spirit. They are marked. Their name is written into the books. And they are awaiting judgment for their works. I want you to notice no judgment was spoken of here because the judgment was taken in the Lamb. But here they are awaiting judgment for their works. This body of people here is called the, the Antichrist. There's a revelation for you. Revelations 20, verses 11 to 15. I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And the dead was judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea, the nations gave up their dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. 
you are not ever going to be judged by your works. Okay? And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Let me just quickly tell you. We were all dead in our transgressions and sins. First death. But you, when you accepted Jesus, experienced the first resurrection. You will never experience the second death. Because the second death is the lake of fire reserved for the devil and his angels. But those who are dead, as far as Christ is concerned, have experienced the first death, and the second death is when they end up in hell after the final judgment. But we have experienced the first resurrection, and if we were to die before immortality comes, we will experience the second resurrection, which is physical resurrection out of the dead. And so death, this is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was also cast into the lake of fire. If you ever wondered if unbelievers will go to hell, there it is. Do I believe it? Yes. Otherwise, why do we preach the gospel? If you do not know Jesus, you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Revelation 13, verses 7 and 8. And it was given unto him, that is to that beast to make war against the saints and to overcome them, and powers given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life, slain from the foundation of the earth. If anyone has an ear to hear, let him hear. Listen, listen, Revelation 13, because you've been all wondering if I'll get there. In Revelation 13, it talks about this beast that comes up out of the earth. And it talks about the fact that this beast causes everyone, small and great, to have a mark put upon them. So I'm just wrapping up now. And it causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark. Where? In their right hand and foreheads. And people get all bent out of shape. Now, <laughs> listen, I've heard all the stories from, I was terrorized from eight years old, nine years old, you know, all the rubbish that they preached. Because in the olden days when Hal Lindsey wrote, the mark of the beast was they were going to take a branding iron, stick it in the fire. <laughs> I, I kid you not, I kid you not. And they would handcuff you and put you over this altar thing like a guillotine, and then they would brunt with a red-hot iron, 666 on your forehead, and 66, and that was it. And, we all, and I was thinking, in the, in the, I, will just say, I will just say, I deny Jesus, because I don't want to get burned. But then I'll go, Lord, you know, I was only kidding. And then it became the barcode. Then it became the microchip and all that. And I remember I shocked this church when I, everybody was sending the email, China's making billions of microchips, and oh, this is the mark of the beast, because it's going to be put in our foreheads. And I said, bring, stick it in, put it in. It's not, I'll take it. You can put them every joint in my whole body. I will not be demonized. I will just be highly visible, you know, to, to wherever. No, the beast is a computer. Well, you know, that computer that was called a beast, it's less powerful than my iPad now. Now there's another one. It's called the beast, and they're flying electrons around. Ah, trash. Rubbish. That's a lot of fooey. Hooey. Pooey. And so on. And then it was this, and, was, and I shocked it. I said to everybody, bring it, they can put it here. This, it might help me with my banking. You know, I won't leave my card behind, you know, or something like that. Well, that's moved on. Now it's the vaccine. It's going to alter your DNA, and you'll never be able to accept Jesus. Pooey. 
verse 17. That no man might buy or sell, so that it mark the name of the beast or the number of his. In other words, you will not be able to do anything if you're not part of that system. Yeah. Got to be part of that system to function in the system. And verse 18. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. The beast, the beast that he was talking about was Rome. Rome mixed with religious, the, the Pharisees, energized by Satan. And John in Revelations is not complementary to the religious system of Israel, to the scribes and Pharisees. Number one, he says, it's the false prophet. Because they claim to speak from God, but they are lying. The second, she is the whore of Babylon. Israel, the Jews, that everybody's trying to copy now. Jesus didn't call us to be Jewish, he called us to be Christian. And they're all trying to copy, you know. I see, and it's very strong amongst the Afrikaans people. I mean, I see men in their 40s and 50s going to get circumcised, and then under their shirts, they're wearing the prayer cloth, the prayer shawl, and things like this, and they're wearing yarmulkes. Where's that in the Bible? That's an insult to the cross of Christ. It's rife in South Africa. It's fooey. Pooey. And so he says, the number is six, six, six. In other words, the number of a natural person without the Spirit. It's the number of natural man. It's the evil trinity. It's the devil, the beast, and the false prophet, which is the whore. Okay. So I'm lining you up for next week's sermon. The seal. Why is it that a seal is put on the saints? Because to seal speaks also a little bit about closing up. There's different aspects to a seal. So the angel comes, puts the seal. These are the saints, puts the seal on them. The seal is the name son. So Paul talks about it in Ephesians 1. And I think it's in verse 20 when he says, And you are sealed. Having believed in Christ, you are sealed with the spirit of promise until the redemption. It says that there. Paul says it in Romans chapter 8, and I think it's around about from verse 18 somewhere. Paul talks about the fact that we are suffering in this world. There is a suffering. But I want to tell you, he says, the glory that is going to be revealed in you will far outweigh any temporary suffering that you can go through. And in Romans 8, he also talks about the fact that we've been given the earnest, the earnest of the Spirit. The word earnest means the pledge, which also means a seal, which also means a deposit. We've been given a so we've been sealed. Now, seal can speak of a couple of things. Number one, the seal can mean that you are sealed, that everything God has done is sealed in you. It's locked into you. The second thing about a seal means... It carries the weight of the person that is sealing it, which means you are the genuine item. Authentic. This is not a fake son. This is not a fake daughter. This is an authentic son or daughter. The third thing is there's an element of mystery. Still locked up. So Paul talks about it in Philippians 1, and he talks about it in Philippians 3, and then Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 to 22, he says, God, along with us, is establishing you in Christ. 
and He has anointed you. Listen, listen, listen. We, we nearly finished. He's anointed you. He has set His seal on you. And the pledge, the earnest of the Holy Spirit. Listen. Talks, 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 comes to chapter 5. Paul starts to say, yeah, it's kind of like my time is close. But I don't want to be unclothed. I don't want to die. I don't want to put off this earthly tent. Rather, I want to be clothed upon with my heavenly tabernacle, the heavenly body. This is why he gave us the pledge. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 5. This is why he gave us the pledge, the seal, the deposit of the Spirit. Until the redemption. But meanwhile, hope is locked up inside of us. This is all groundwork for next week. Hope is locked up in us. So what is Paul trying to say? Paul's trying to say, what you have is the deposit. What you have is the earnest. What you have is the pledge. What you have has been sealed into you. But just like Jesus, he was sealed. And when he died on the cross, he gave up the spirit. He was unsealed. The mystery was now revealed for us. And then the spirit came upon us. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in us. But there's an element in which it has sealed in a mystery. It's locked in the truth. It's proving our authenticity. But there's an element of mystery. The world still has not yet seen you. The world still has not seen you. So John says this, John chapter 3. Have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered, after his baptism and his baptism in the Holy Spirit, who was Jesus' cousin? John. Who baptized him? Were they close? Yes. Why is it then, when Jesus comes walking out of the wilderness to the waters of baptism, it says, he looks up and he sees his cousin, church, says, I knew him not. I didn't know him. Now I know him. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. <laughs> Come on. Come on. <laughs> the whole world is looking at us and going, and it's the church. There's one of those holy rollers, those happy clappies. They don't know you. They don't. There's something that's about you. Going like, I, I, I knew them, but I didn't know them. Is this, is this them? Come on. Is this Gerson? Is this Rachel? But, but they look like. It's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin. Come on. Come on, church. So Paul says, this is the earnest. This is the redemption that's coming. All of creation is looking for the unsealing. The full redemption of those who are his sons and his daughters. That's why we're sealed, church. That's why we got his nature. We think like him. We act like him. 
and that has sealed us, but there's coming a revealing because we're written in the book, the name Son seals us, and it's on our forehead and our hands, and for now, our thinking, our psyche, our understanding, but there's still a hope locked up inside of us that the full glory will break forth. Amen. And the world will go, I knew them not. Here they come. Glory, glory. Hallelujah. The truth is marching on. And so his truth is marching on, and they're going to go, glory, 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 glory. I didn't know, I didn't know. So Paul says, all of creation is in travail, looking forward to the manifestation of the sons. Come on, that which is sealed now, and sealed. Amen. Jeremiah 32, Jeremiah 32, beautiful prophetic thing. In exile, about to go be taken into captivity, God says, go and buy the field. Paid 17 shekels of silver for it. Gets an earthen vessel. The transaction is written up. The purchase price is paid. They rolled up. They put into the earthen vessel. One sealed, one unsealed. It says, in the court of the Jews... It's put into an earthen vessel. And we now have this treasure, this glory in earthen vessels. One part is open, but there's another part that's still sealed. It's another part that's still coming. Woo! Come on, church. You have his name there and there. Every unbeliever has the name of the evil one and the system that they are serving there and there. They think like that system. They act like that system. We think like Christ. We act like Christ. We are the Christ on earth. Amen. That is the Antichrist. Amen. There's not a big world leader going to come and stand up and unify the whole world and you know, send us into great tribulation and all that kind of thing. John says it over and over and over again. This is the Antichrist. Antichrist is already in the world. But good news, the Christ is in the world. Amen. Woo! you the next great thing that's going to hit this planet. Jesus is not going to come and unveil himself again. He's going to unveil himself in us. Paul said, since then you have died with Christ. Set your heart, your affections, your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. In other words, start to think who you actually are. You like Him. It says, for your life is hid with Christ in God. Are you ready, church? It says, but when Christ, who is your life, appears, suddenly you appear with Him in glory. So here it goes. In the right hand of him is a book. It's Jesus. Your name is written into that Lamb's book of life. So you are now placed in Christ, in God. And God is in you. Christ in you. The Father in you. You in him. Now when you reach out your hand, it's his hand. Oh, to be his hand extended to yeah. I want you to come and 
And then just go and sit down for one minute. Just thank Jesus. Receive healing. Receive blessing. Receive hope. Receive the anointing. Receive a fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit. Just be sealed. Be blessed. There's such an awesome presence. Oh, Jesus. Come, church. Let's go. redemption that is yours. Thank Him that you are sealed with the Spirit. Thank Him that He's put a new name on you. Your name is Son. Your name is Daughter of the Most High. Thank Him that your judgment was taken in Christ. The only judgment you're going to receive is life, the kingdom. Pardon is yours already. Forgiveness is yours already. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Just keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and uh, you've never, ever come to a place. Maybe you're kind of just even familiar with church or whatever, but you've never come to a place where you actually made a decision. You know, like the 11th of October, 2020, I accepted Jesus. Well, there's no clear decision. And you would like this morning just to pray a prayer with us in general. I'm not going to embarrass you of just acknowledging and accepting Jesus as your Savior. If you've never done that and you'd like to pray that prayer with us this morning, just raise your hand and say, no, this morning I want to just commit my life to Jesus. That's the first thing. The atmosphere, the presence of God is so powerful this morning. Is there anybody? I'm just three seconds, two seconds, one second. Is there anybody here this morning and you once, some time ago, and you've been coming back to God. And just this morning, want to re-pledge, recommit your life. I can't let this opportunity go. There's such a powerful drawing of God in the house. Hmm. That we can't let it go. And you want to just say, yeah, today. I know what it means to be born again and my sins forgiven. But I just want to re-pledge, recommit myself to Jesus. Just quickly raise your hand. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you, thank you. There's quite a few hands. Thank you very much. Thank you. There's a power in the house this, evening, this morning. I want you all to pray with me. Your hand will help on the microphone as well. Say, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. I heard your word. I have sensed the drawing of your spirit. I acknowledge that you are calling me back to my first love, to my commitment to you. And Lord, this morning, I recommit, re-surrender my life to you. I reconfess, Jesus Christ, you are my Lord and my Savior. I reconfess, you have forgiven my sin. You have washed me. I declare the truth. You have sealed me on my forehead, my right hand, with a name that says Son. Not just a Son. A beloved son, a beloved daughter of the Most High God. And I'm coming back to a full relationship with you in Jesus' name. And all the saints said, Amen. So the Lord bless you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you. The Lord put his favor on you. The Lord make you to increase. 
to be prosperous. The Lord make you to be in health. The Lord make you to be hearing and submitted. The Lord make you to be committed. The Lord bless thee out of Zion. The Lord bless thee. His hand is upon the man, the woman of his right hand. The strong hand of the Lord is upon you. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed. Amen. Love you all.